you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. is Aaron and welcome to Kaleo, uh, the Colda Jelly family and extended friends. We're so happy that you're here. Um, before we get started in the sermon, I typically open up with a land acknowledgement and so I'll do that and then we'll we'll get into the preaching. So um, I'd like to begin with a land acknowledgement to honor the native people that existed here before us. I honor the first peoples of current day downtown Phoenix, the Thana Otham Nation. In the words of Lisa Sharon Harper, they were and are here. We see you, we honor you, and we thank you for laying foundations of harmony, balance, truth, and honor. Thank you for stewarding the land where creator settled your people. We bless you. We bless your elders past, present, and emerging. Well, here at Kaleo, we recently concluded our first season of Kaleo School, which was a unique experience of a group of people dedicated to unlearning and relearning. Based on the lived experiences of those who participated, we collectively chose what to study together, which wound up being indigenous theology and worldview in comparison to the ways the Western worldview has impacted Christianity. Being that it is Native American Heritage Month, I thought I'd share a short recap of some of the things that we discussed. The differences between the Western and indigenous worldviews are profound and teach us how individuals and societies relate to the world around them. In the indigenous worldview, the emphasis is on communal well-being, where the health of the entire community depends on the welfare of the most vulnerable members. This perspective is rooted in the belief that everything and everyone is interconnected. And this idea is reinforced by laws, kinship systems, and spirituality. Identity in the indigenous worldview is defined by these connections, emphasizing the importance of relatedness. In contrast, the Western worldview tends to compartmentalize society with an increasing focus on individualism. Personal gain and the accumulation of wealth are the priority in the Western perspective, which can lead to a sense of detachment from the broader community. In this context, amassing wealth is seen as a means to individual prosperity rather than a collective good. As Americans, we've inherited this fractured and detrimental Western worldview, one that has been a source of considerable global suffering. But to rectify these past injustices, it is imperative that we wholeheartedly embrace a fresh perspective founded on the rich histories, profound teachings, enduring practices, profound beliefs, and cherished values of both the indigenous peoples of the Western territories and indigenous peoples everywhere. By doing so, we can pave the way for a more inclusive and harmonious future. Indigenous theologian Dr. Randley Woodley explains that becoming indigenous doesn't mean becoming Indian. It means reconnecting with our ancestral roots and embracing a worldview that emphasizes communal living where all communities can flourish. It is quite clear that white supremacy and the Western worldview have fractured our society, but our ability to become indigenous and return to our ancestral communal practices creates a path to restoration. One experience that broadened my worldview and the impact of indigenous women was when Kendall and I traveled to Toronto, Canada to see Niagara Falls, one of the great seven wonders of the world. 
It was mesmerizing to behold and quite different than the Grand Canyon here in uh, Arizona. When you look at the Grand Canyon, you are looking at large boulders of red rock and mountains that won't move. So it feels like the more you look, the more you see. But at Niagara Falls, you are trying to behold an untamable, powerful force of water that has historically unalived a, a lot of daredevilish people. It's hard for your eyes to see all of it because it's constantly moving and constantly changing. It's like a mighty rushing wind in liquid form. After spending 35 minutes at the base of Niagara Falls, one of our travel buddies on the tour said, I still feel like I haven't seen it all. To which we replied, that is probably the perfect way of describing what it feels like to behold Niagara Falls. What made this experience even more profound was the thoughtful documentation of the indigenous perspectives of the power of water. As we were leaving Niagara Falls, we took time to read this plaque, which said, Indigenous Cultural Approaches to Water. Within indigenous culture, the power of water has traditionally been revered and honored for its ability to provide sustenance, healing, and transportation. Among the indigenous tribes of this region, water is central to their understandings of creation. Water holds a respected connection among women, with the mother's womb referred to as the first environment because it represents the waters of life that create new generations. As a result, women are often seen as the keepers and caretakers of water. According to various indigenous teachings, water has an energy whose unending natural flow must be respected. These core beliefs about water are consistent with indigenous values about sustaining the natural world, honoring all life on earth, and being thankful for the elements that make life possible. After reading this plaque, I couldn't help but reflect on the fact that we traveled halfway across the world to behold the power and wonder of water, which is our first environment as human beings. Water, Earth's life source for healing, sustenance, and transportation. Water, a mighty rushing wind in liquid form. And who are the carriers of this life-giving, beautiful, valuable, natural element? It's women. Just sit with that for a moment. Once again, our God and creator has exemplified the unique value of women and the role we play in the ongoing creation story. Women in the room, even if you never give birth to a child, creation has respected and revered you as water carriers. Indigenous culture, in indigenous culture, women have always been the backbone of indigenous peoples, communities, and have played a crucial role in the conservation and transmission of ancestral knowledge. They have always played a collective and community role as caretakers of natural resources and keepers of medicine and scientific knowledge. Now, many indigenous women are also leading in the defense of indigenous lands and territories and advocating for the collective rights of indigenous peoples all around the world. From the, room, from the womb to the tomb, women have led the way. And we see the same is true for Jesus as he enters the earth by way of Mary's womb. 
God's choice to ask Mary to be the first environment for Jesus is a moment we should pay attention to. Mary is not only the glorious mother of God, but also the mother of all men, the advocate for the poor, a woman of the people who has known with the people suffering and oppression. In the context of human injustices, Mary, a woman, a water carrier, is a sign of hope. Her existence creates space for a conversion inside the motivation for wealth at her time. And her way of life shows us how to overcome exploitation and seek communal flourishing in all of humanity. Her faith is a total self-gift to the God who exalts the poor. And because she believes in the liberating and saving God, it makes her life holistically fruitful. Her example as a woman and water carrier invites us to participate in the healing of creation. As Sister Jordan Duval said in a sermon this past week that I listened to on YouTube, she says this, it's a cruel world. It is difficult to make sense of senseless violence. It is excruciating to watch nations become graveyards for children, children closing their eyes forever prematurely. Women denied aid when delivering their child with no assistance. Amputation of limbs with no pain medication. Dreams crushed in the rubble of fallen buildings. Real aspirations. Real people. Real families. Real traditions. Real cultures. She says, it's not my job to convince you of a political position, but it is my job to make you see It is to make you see that the same things in your life that you hold so dearly, they too hold dearly. Mary's yes to God and his ask for her to be a carrier of hope for humanity was her modeling for us what it means to not just be a people content with seeing, but a people willing to participate and engage in doing something about what they see. Mary experienced firsthand Poverty, suffering, flight, and exile. The gospel accounts of her humiliation in Bethlehem, of her persecution by Herod, of her exile in Egypt, and of her suffering on Calvary. All of these showcase her faithfulness to the commitment she accepted at the time when God asked her to carry hope for humanity. May women Womanhood and femininity continue to lead us as Jesus followers, and may they continue to teach us how to participate and be full of hope in the struggle for the flourishing of all creation. As we prepare for the baby dedication of baby Roy Jelly and honor his parents, Josh and Hannah, I'd like to end this moment with a prayer to honor women by Stacy Cole Wilson. With holy reverence, We remember irreplaceable women, O God. We honor those who nurtured us and taught us to honor and love you. We honor women who feed the hungry, clothe the unclothed, befriend the lonely, and comfort the comfortless. We bless them for unselfishly loving your people as you have loved us. May you continue to meet their needs as they minister to others. We honor women grieving the loss of loved ones. May you continue to comfort them with your word, spoken and blessed. May we learn to encourage them as they have encouraged us. 
We honor women pregnant with your children unborn, O God. May you shelter them and the children they bear under the shadow of your almighty presence. We honor our sisters throughout the world who need your spiritual, economic, and physical healing. May you meet their needs, Holy One, according to your riches and glory, we pray. We honor all the women who have gone before us, named and unnamed. We give you thanks, O God. We bless our water carriers who, like a never-ending, mighty, rushing wind, have wept for us, rejoiced with us, wiped our tears and prayed for us and laughed with us. We give you thanks, O God, for the women of our world. And we honor all those who stand alongside women. We bless those who encourage them to dream, who bring out the best in them, and who help them bear their burdens and love them rightly. May you watch over and keep all of your people, these women and all who love them, with your care, gracious God. Consecrate this day for your glory. In the name of the triune God, the one who parents us and creates us, who redeems us and empowers us forever. Amen. Amen. I'll welcome Chris up to introduce the baby dedication. Thanks, Aaron. Okay, so baby dedication, for those who don't know, is always a little bit different than a baptism. That's what some might compare it to. Uh, In the context of Kaleo, this is what means for us. Dedicating a child as parents making a commitment to raise their child as they create space to practice the ways of Jesus together amidst the multi-ethnic family of God. It seemed fitting to me that as we were thinking about this, uh, that one of the best biblical examples of a child dedication involves uh, a mother named Hannah. And, and Hannah in First Samuel says this. She says, I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. And perhaps you were. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. So here we are worshiping together in line with those who've dedicated their children all along to the Lord who's provided and the Lord who will carry that child all of the days of their life. With that in store, Paul is going to share a little bit with us first, set the tone, and then we'll do a little bit of get everybody up here and do some praying and do some dedicating and it'll be a great, okay. Here, you can talk into this because we can save it and you can listen to yourself later and decide if you like what you said. Well, I am uh, Josh's uh, father and uh, thank you uh, for welcoming uh, our family to be with you this evening. And thank you for welcoming Josh and Hannah and Roy to be part of this faith community as we have had the... uh, the privilege of watching them grow uh, in their faith uh, in your presence. So your mission is being accomplished, and uh, we're grateful that we can be part of this community through our son and daughter-in-law, Josh and Hannah. Uh, Chris distinguished the dedication from a baptism, but as I was thinking about faith traditions that present a child liturgically, 
It's often the case that that child is uh, wrapped in a special garment. And oftentimes that garment has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And yesterday we had uh, the privilege of honoring uh, Josh's grandmother's 90th birthday. Uh, Another wonderful event that brought us together as a family. And uh, our faith is a story of generation and family and communicating uh, who Jesus is uh, from person to person, from family to family, from generation to generation. And so I wanted to, uh, to share with you, though we don't have a, uh, a garment that's been passed down from generations, we have a spiritual garment that has been passed down uh, through the Holy Scriptures from generation to generation. And uh, I'm going to read for you and for us uh, in a moment uh, from one of Paul's letters. But it has a, a very special meaning tonight as I share it with you because it was a passage of Scripture that helped to bond Josh and I together years ago uh, Josh attended a, a grade school that had an event called a speech meet where the students would memorize either a speech or a passage of scripture and then deliver that passage uh, before uh, fellow students, teachers, and judges. And uh, it wasn't Josh's favorite thing uh, to to proclaim a memorized passage. Uh, but we worked together at it. The pronunciation, the enunciation, when to pause, where to place emphasis. And in working on it together, uh, this passage was etched into our hearts together. And uh, it's fitting that, uh, that I can share it with you tonight. Uh, Paul writes to the Colossians, um, and he writes to the Coldagellis, and he writes to Kaleo uh, in uh, this passage about this garment that we are to put on. And it comes after the ending of a paragraph uh, just ahead of it where he proclaims that there is neither Greek nor Jew, neither circumcised nor uncircumcised, neither slave nor free, but Christ is all And in all. And we live in a culture where there is a lot of division. Who's included? Who's excluded? Are you one of us? Are you one of them? And Paul tears that all down by saying that Christ is all and in all. And so, Roy. By the authority of Scripture, I can tell you that you are included. You are one of His, just as all of us here bear testimony to that. And what a thrill to know that because of Christ, we are not all, we are not only one with Him, but one with each other. And in response, Paul tells us this Therefore, as the elect of God, 
holy and beloved. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. You hear him tell us to put these things on. This is our spiritual garment. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I was thinking again about this garment metaphor and the verb sew. And we can spell it S-E-W in the context of knitting together the garment to hold it in place. We are sewers. Most of the time we think of sow as S-O-W, sowing the seed. And indeed we are sowers that way also. But as we see this word amen, we also use the word as spelled S-O. Because in proclaiming amen, we say, yes, Lord, make it so. And so to Roy and to all of us, may we not only have the word of God dwelling in us richly, but the very spirit of Christ dwelling in us richly, together as one community. Thank you again for welcoming Josh and Hannah and their family, and thank you for welcoming us this evening. Beautiful. Okay, well, whoever wants to come up as a part of the Colda Jelly clan can come up here. We'll ask Josh and Hannah a couple questions, and we'll all... join in and then we'll we'll say a big prayer as well you can have anybody up here that you want anybody who wants to come up feel free look at this crew you have Okay, well, we'll ask you guys a couple questions first, okay? And we've, we've framed them in Kaleo language, uh, too. So first question, you can answer them however you will. You can just be like, yeah, or yes, with the grace of God, or, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. Here's the first question. Do you commit to actively seek to practice the ways of Jesus and align your lives with the welcoming love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Will you both... 
with your words and your actions, create space for Roy to practice the ways of Jesus and help Roy to learn of the liberating love of God and enact it in the world. Will you pray for Roy, encourage Roy by your words and actions, and walk with Roy as you all practice the ways of Jesus together? Those are good. It's good. Okay. And to the congregation, would you please stand, actually? As a way of practicing the ways of Jesus together as the multi-ethnic family of God, will you be the church to Roy and the Coldajelli family, praying for them, supporting them, learning to love them as you are able? If so, please respond. We will, by the grace of God. We will, by the grace of God. Amen. Well, let's pray for them as we... Bless baby Roy and the Colda Jelly family. God of our mothers and fathers and caregivers, we thank you for the gift of children and for the privilege of guiding them as they grow. We pray for these parents, Josh and Hannah. May you give them delight, strength, patience, and the gift of humor. May they be open to learning about your amazing love as they care for baby Roy and see signs of your divine gift in everyday ways. We pray for baby Roy, that he may learn to know your love, Lord Jesus, and to live his life guided by your love while experiencing your joy. We pray for the extended families, for all of us who are gathered here, and for the many not present but who will have a part in the life of baby Roy. May we learn the awesome task of supporting Roy as he grows in faith and life. Help us to know when to lift him up and when to let him fall when to hold him tightly, and when to let him go. As we pledge ourselves to care for for Roy and the Coldajelli family and to support his parents, we also pledge ourselves to care for our world so that peace and justice, mercy, and hope may come to pass for all of God's children. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's give God thanks for the Coldajelli family. And you may be seated. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.